So for those of you who I don't know, uh, my name is John or Johnny Baines. I um, have lived here in Denton, Texas since 1983. My wife and I are both from Houston, Texas. Um, my wife is a retired school teacher and I own a CPA and consulting firm here in Denton. Uh, I did, uh, after the military, I was in during the Vietnam War and I became a Christian when I was 19. And that was, uh, let's see, that was 49 years ago. So for those of you who can do your math, 19 plus 49 equals blah, blah, blah. And um, I, uh, when I was a young believer, I was very impressed by the older people who would invite me and my girlfriend at the time, who later became my wife, into their homes. And I was very nourished and cherished and said that I would do that when I got a chance to do it. And um, so this year, my wife and I will be celebrating 42 years of marriage. And what we've been doing is we've been inviting young students into our home uh, for the last 42 years. So um, uh, from time to time, the, the young ones at Solid Ground say, hey, John, could you cook a meal and let some students come over? And I say, awesome, bring them over. So I'm honored today to uh, be able to share a little bit from Daniel chapter 6. And uh, I'm going to read some verses because we're going to get the facts first. There's an old TV show called Dragnet. And the, uh, the protagonist, his name is Joe Friday. Whenever he would go to the crime scene, he'd say, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. And so what we're going to do in this first 15 minutes is we're going to just give you the facts. So even though I can't hear you, I want you all to say, just the facts, Johnny, just the facts. Let me hear you say it. Just the facts, Johnny, just the facts. Okay, all right, here we go. So coming to chapter six, it says it pleased Darius to set up over the kingdom 120 satraps who would be throughout the whole kingdom. So this is a big kingdom. The uh, Babylon was a combination of what we know today as both Iran, Iraq, and also the nation of Israel. So the nation of Israel was conquered by the Babylonians. Uh, Babylon is basically uh, the, the capital city in Iraq. And so this is where a lot of this is going on. So they have a, a way to kind of take care of the administrative things in this large spread out area. So verse two says, and over them three chief magistrates, excuse me, uh, ministers of whom Daniel was one, and the satraps might give account to them, and the king might not suffer loss. So amazingly, when the nation of Israel was devastated because they were not faithful to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what he did was he came in and destroyed the country and had all of the people brought captive into Babylon except for a few. But I want everybody to do your hands like this. Move your hands like this. Let me see you move your hands. Move your hands. So what that means is even though uh, it seemed as though the 
the nation of Israel was destroyed, God was still in control. He was working things out. So among the leadership in the country of Babylon was Daniel, one of the brightest and smartest of the young Israelites. And so it says here, now this is when they were teenagers, that they were brought captive to Babylon. And this is almost 70 years later. So let's do a little quick math. Okay, if I'm a teenager plus 70, what does that put me in? Puts me in my 80s, right? Or at least close to 80, right? 70 plus 15, 16, 70, 17, 18 is going to put me in a, in, a, in a certain time period. So here's an old man, Daniel, in chapter 6. It says, and then verse 3 says, this Daniel distinguished himself among the chief ministers and satraps. It says, because in him there was an excellent spirit, and the king considered setting him over the whole kingdom. So here's this young Jewish boy among all of these Babylonians, and believe it or not, there was racial tension. Can you believe that? Back in the day, there was some racial tension. There was some hating going on. So it says here, in verse 4, then the chief ministers and satraps sought to find a ground for accusation against Daniel from the perspective of the kingdom, but they could find no ground for accusation or fault inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or fault was found related to him. So here's this older man, Daniel, who had been faithful his whole life from a teenager into his 80s. And the bad guys were looking for an opportunity to damage him and to damage his name. So then, it says here in verse 5, then these men said, we will not find any ground for accusation against this Daniel unless we find something related to him due to the law of his God. Then these chief ministers and satraps came to prevail upon the king and said thus to him, King Darius, you live forever. And all the chief ministers of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors have taken counsel together that the king should establish a statute and make firm an edict that anyone who makes a petition within the next 30 days to any god or man besides you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, these um, opposers said that everybody was going to set this law, but I don't think I saw that. Y'all have to go back and look in, um, in one of the earlier verses. It's kind of like when my kids were teenagers. They would come to me and say, Dad, Everybody gets to do this. Everybody's going here. Everybody, everybody, everybody. So I would tell my kids, get, get everybody on the phone. I want to talk to everybody and see what everybody has to say. And uh, eventually it was one or two. It was no everybody. It was just one or two. So eventually, if you go back and look, there were just a, a few rabble rousers who were stirred up by the devil. Because you have to realize Daniel is the key figure 
and praying for God's interest on the earth. God desired to have a kingdom on the earth, and the children of Israel would be the central part of that kingdom, and that kingdom would spread and prevail over the whole earth. But they messed up, and they got um, captured and sent to Babylon so that they could reconsider their ways, and God could, in a sense, start again. He wanted to clean up the mess that all of the children of Israel had made, and he was using this as an opportunity to set things right. Okay, moving on. It says um, in verse 8, Now, O king, establish the edict and sign the writing so that it is not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot pass away. Therefore, King Darius signed the writing, that is, the edict. Verse 10, now when Daniel came to know that the writing had been signed, he went to his house in the upper room, and in the windows he had opened toward Jerusalem. And three times daily he knelt on his knees and prayed and gave thanks before his God, because he had always done so previously. So here's a man now in his 80s, and his habit is to pray three times a day. Let's see here. Then it says in verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel making petition. Amazing. It's like they were looking for an opportunity. You know, it's, it's interesting. Here's what happened. Let me, let, me, let me break it down for you. I'll break it down for you. They were spying on Daniel, okay? They're probably in the bushes, you know, stalking Daniel, looking at his every move and his actions so they would know what he was doing. And so they knew he prayed three times a day. So they concocted this law that says anybody that prays, now how many other people in the kingdom are doing this? No, it's only Daniel because Daniel was the center of God's move. Praying people, let me repeat that. Praying people are always at the center of what God is doing because they're praying not for themselves, but for God's interests. Let me, let me repeat that. Praying people are at the center of what God is doing on the earth because God needs people to pray that his kingdom might come. You know, in, in, in the New Testament, when the, when the disciples asked him, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he said, pray like this. And the very first thing he says, thy kingdom, right? He says, thy, say, may thy name be sanctified. So they prayed for God's name, that his name would be holy and accepted all over the earth. And eventually they prayed for the kingdom. So here was Daniel praying for God, his name his interest, and eventually that the nation of Israel would rise again. So these people that were fighting against Daniel were really representatives of, of the evil one, of Satan. They were being used as pawns by the devil to frustrate what God was after. God wanted to have his kingdom on the earth. Eventually, that's what we see in the New Testament as well. The Bible is very consistent. God wants his kingdom on the earth where he is expressed and represented. It says here in verse 12, then they came near 
and spoke before the king concerning the king's edict. Did you not sign an edict that anyone who petitions within the next 30 days, any god or man besides you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den? The king answered and said, This thing is certain, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot pass away. Verse 13, then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, one of the captives, is like they're tattling. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell on you. It's like when we were growing up, we always had a tattletale. I'm going to tell mom. I'm going to tell dad. I'm going to tell. You had 15 french fries. I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell. So eventually, the bad guys are going to go and tell the king that Daniel's in there praying. What's wrong with praying? I think we all should pray. This should, be the, this should be the reputation that all God's people have. We're praying at least three times a day. This is wonderful. Moving on. It says, <clears throat> then the king, when he heard this thing, he was displeased with himself and set his heart on delivering Daniel. And until the sunset, he made efforts to deliver him. Uh, uh, uh. Apparently, Daniel made a very, very strong impact on the king so that the king was trying to deliver Daniel. Think about this. What did this old man Daniel do that caused him to become in favor with the king, that the king himself would try to free Daniel? This is amazing. Daniel's living and his life had endeared him to the king. You know, this Daniel is a, an example of how we should be, that eventually the way we live, the way we conduct our lives, becomes such an endearing factor that eventually all the leadership of our country would say, these people are worth saving. Moving on. Let's see. And Daniel, you're going to give me a flash when I'm running out of time, right? Yes. Okay. All right. It says here, then, in verse 16, the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king responded and said to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. This is amazing that a pagan king had faith in God. This kind of faith where he would say in verse 16, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. This was out of the mouth of the pagan king. What an impression. And somehow, Daniel had infused this king with faith. It's, it appears to me that, that, this, that this king and Daniel had been spending time together. Otherwise, how would you have this kind of conviction that Daniel, your God, will deliver you? 17. A stone was brought and set over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his signet ring and the signet rings of his lords that nothing might be changed regarding Daniel. Then this verse, 10, verse 18 is really amazing. It says, Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. Then the king arose at dawn at the first light and went in haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near the den, 
he shouted to Daniel with a, lot, with a sad voice. The king responded and said to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angels and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not hurt me, inasmuch as before him innocence was found in me, and also before you, O king, for I have done no harm. Then the king was very pleased concerning him, and he commanded that they take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den. He was found completely unhurt because he trusted in his God. Then the king commanded, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and threw them into the lion's den, them, their children, and their wives. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the land, may peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. It's happening, y'all. Here is a pagan king talking about God's kingdom, telling everybody in the land. He's telling everybody in the land. Daniel's telling me I have one minute. I see you, Daniel. Thank you. It says, for he is the living God and enduring forever, and his kingdom, which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be toward the end. He delivers and rescues. He does signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. It is he who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So that is the reading in chapter 6. Now we want to get into um, a little bit of the spiritual application for chapter 6. And there's about three things I would like to emphasize uh, during this time just to kind of underscore something from chapter one uh, with the heavenly diet or with the, with the proper diet. As Christians, we have to be careful what we eat. And the, um, with Daniel and his friends, they were careful. They didn't want to eat the food that had been sacrificed to demons. This was the, the holy diet that they were um, uh, along with the fact that they wanted the healthier portions. A lot of those things were offered to the demons. And so to keep themselves from defilement, they had to be careful about what they let get into their being. So <clears throat> the, um, when I was a kid growing up, they had these monkeys called the hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. The portals of the soul. 
So we have to be careful what our eyes see, what our ears hear, and what comes out of our mouth. Because these are the things that can defile us. So in principle, the uh, Daniel and his friends were very careful about what they let get into them. So this is the number one thing. And as they were careful, after 10 days of being careful with this diet, they looked better than the other young people that were their age. So here we are as young believers exercising care in this world uh, for what gets into our being. We have to be very careful what we allow to get into through our eyes, through our hearing, and eventually what comes out of our mouth as a result of what's in our heart. So then moving on back to chapter six, so Daniel had a life of living a holy and a guarded life, a, a careful life. And as a result, his usefulness to the Lord was, it was, um, there was no contest. There was no question that even in his 80s, he was still useful to the Lord. And the way we know that is because the evil one was trying to attack him and keep him from praying. So which brings me to the second burden, which is the matter of prayer. And we have to ask ourselves, if Daniel is an example of us, what did he pray about? What were the things on his list? Okay. Everybody, everybody get your, make your, let's all make an imaginary list. Okay, I'm going to write in one, two, let me see you make your imaginary list. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. So what is the first thing on that list? Let's see. Um, a new car? How about a, how about a shiny car? How about some fly clothes? Fly. You know what fly means? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, how about uh, some really cool homeboys to hang out with? You know, we can all be cool. You know, we can we can all walk across the campus and to look cool together. What do you think? You know, <laughs> or or get me and my girlfriends. We go on the shopping and we get to go to Macy's, or we get to go and get some really expensive, cool clothing, or we get to go to Hawaii. Whoa! Or we get to go to, to to Europe and just hang out with my with my homies. See, all kinds of things on the list, you know. But Daniel wasn't praying for that kind of stuff. Daniel's number one concern was God's kingdom and God's will on the earth. You know, in uh, in um, in Matthew chapter six verse thirty three, it says. Seek first his kingdom. And what that means is you have a shopping list. And that doesn't mean that it's number 99 on the list. And you say, hey, it's on the list, Lord. I put it on the list. No, 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 no. That's not what the word says. Seek first his kingdom. That means on the list, it's number one. The first thing on our list has to be God's kingdom and his interest. Then eventually, you know, some things that we need, we need to take care of our health, we need to take care of our family, we need to take care of those things. But I would say 
Firstly, if we take care of God and his interests, he will take care of us. All the things that you need will be added to you. So let's talk about this praying three times a day. If anybody's ever tried to pray three times a day, raise your hand. Let me see your hand. If you've tried to pray three times a day. Okay. Okay. So does that mean I pray for 15 seconds? Three times a day? Do I pray for 30 minutes? Three times a day. Do I pray for an hour? Three times a day. Okay. Let me, let me see if I can break it down for you. Okay. We're praying for God's interests. <clears throat> and you have to pray according to your capacity. When you're a young person, let's say you're a teenager, you're in your teens, it would be good if we had a little time of prayer in the morning, a little time of prayer at lunch, and a little time of prayer in the evening. In the Bible, there's a thing called morning watch, and there's a thing called night watch, where you're watching for the Lord and you're praying. We're praying for God's interests. But how long you pray depends on how full you are. It's like you have to fill your being. You have to get full. And out of that fullness comes the prayer. It's hard. It's hard just to, to go from zero to praying. So throughout our day, we need to fill ourselves with God's word, with the Bible. And out of that filling, will come some prayer. The Lord will give us some things. They'll come to our mind, and we should pray those back to the Lord. We should pray for others. Not only we pray for God's kingdom, but we pray for others. Uh, not just our family. I love my family, but there's a lot of needs on the earth today. There's a lot of people in need. May the Lord give us the ability to pray for others. And for <clears throat> the, uh, the needs of others. And then lastly, I'll say this. <clears throat> the, um, I'll give you a little story. When I first started reading the Bible, I gave the Lord a minute a day. I'd read the Bible for a minute. One minute. Everybody raise one finger. One minute. You see? One minute. I told Jesus, I, Jesus, I'm giving you one minute, okay? So that's how I started reading the Bible, okay? But now today, I read more than that. I read quite a bit. I read three chapters in the old and one in the new every day. And so my, my ability has increased over the years. And then also, I'd like to read some spiritual books for some uh, understanding, some amplification, because many times the Bible um, you get to some very difficult points and you, you need some help. So we need to pray for understanding of God's word. God has a desire on the earth. We want, we want to be full people who are praying for his interest on the earth. We're praying for others. And then eventually we can pray for our needs and our family. But let me tell you my story about three times a day. <clears throat> when I heard the, this first, you know, I said if the, if the, um, if the um, 
the Muslims can pray five times a day. I said, surely I can pray three times a day. And so I made an agreement with the Lord. I, it's called a consecration. This is a big word. You need to look that up. A consecration means I basically give that to the Lord. So I say, Lord, I'll give you my time in the morning. I'll give you my time right after lunch. And I'll give you my time in the evening. And even when I miss those times, the Lord reminds me, John, you gave me those times. Those are my times. Those are times for, for prayer. So it's up to me to be a responsible person and get filled with God's word, get filled with God's spirit, so that we can pray for his interest on the earth. And the reason we know this is the case is because when you look at Daniel, his windows were open towards Jerusalem. Now remember, Jerusalem had been devastated. It had been, it had been wiped out, and all of the, the cream of the crop, all the young people, the best and the brightest, were brought to Babylon. But because Daniel was aware of God's interest in having a proper kingdom and a proper testimony on the earth, he prayed three times a day. And a big part of that prayer was for God's kingdom. So that's the reason his windows were open towards Jerusalem. He was praying for the reestablishment of the, God's kingdom there in the nation of Israel. And eventually, several years later, after uh, Daniel went to be with the Lord, <clears throat> or he went passed over, then the children of Israel were able to go back and reestablish uh, the nation of Israel in the time of Nehemiah. And um, so then that brings me to our third burden, is that as young people, how do we maintain ourselves in an atmosphere of prayer? And I would say this. We have to be careful of the kind of people we spend time with because who we're around can influence us and can either help us in this regard or hurt us in this regard. Now, I like people. I like, I, there's a lot of folks out there that have no godly inclinations and, and I'm okay being around them, but those are not my closest people. I like to spend my time with God's people the ones who have a similar interest. And I think in Corinthians, um, uh, Paul says, be careful for uh, bad company corrupts good morals. So we always want to keep ourselves in a, in a very wholesome environment, which is really good that you've got this, this group called Christian Students. It, it allows you to have some companions, some your age, that you can spend time with, you can be encouraged with as you run the race. And so uh, just to kind of recap uh, what I was saying uh, with Daniel and this time, he and his companions were careful about their diet. And I would break it down to say, be careful what you look at, be careful what you listen to, and then eventually be careful what comes out of your mouth because, you know, this is an indication of what we're full of. Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 12, 
out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever our heart is full of, that's what's going to come out of our mouth. Okay. Then number two, becoming people of prayer. And praying primarily for God's interest on the earth. Like it says in the New Testament, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else you will need will be added to you. Yesterday, I was with some of my CPA buddies. We were trying to navigate this, uh, this uh, coronavirus stimulus package and how we're going to help our clients and this kind of stuff. And some of those guys are just brilliant, those guys and ladies. I said, man, they are amazing smart. And I found myself wishing, I wish I was as smart as that one. And eventually the Lord, eventually the Lord said, John, don't, don't do that. You make sure you focus on being a child of God and keep your interest and your focus on the things of God. And everything you need, God will add to you. Not everything you want, but everything you need will be added to you. And then lastly, we want to keep ourselves in the company of other believers so that we continue to encourage one another. And even we begin to, to take this mantle upon us if the Lord burdens you to pray three times a day, okay? But you have to have some transactions with the Lord and say, Lord, is this your desire for me to do this? And if so, I give you the ground in my heart. You have to have some transactions with the Lord. So eventually, it's not just what somebody says or somebody's laying something heavy on you, but in your time with the Lord and your fellowship with the Lord, you come to this conclusion that this is something that God wants you to do. And eventually you begin to pray in this kind of a way. And then lastly, your capacity has to eventually grow to where you can pray for extended periods of time. But don't be ashamed if you can only pray for a minute or two. There's no shame in that. Praise the Lord for a minute of prayer three times a day. And then we pray, Lord, make it at least two minutes a day, three times a day. Lord, how about three? And eventually, who knows what capacity the Lord will give to you. And just like Daniel, who was a person who was able to bring in the kingdom, the Lord will find another group of young people who will also listen to his voice and become those who pray for his kingdom and his interests on the earth. Thank you for your time, and I'll give the meeting back to, to you, my dear sister and my dear brother. Thank you.